high in Hawaii. Coming to you from Misty Mountain Studios, sitting at 2,440 feet above sea level on this big rock in the middle of the Pacific, just outside of Volcano in the Puna District of the Big Island of Hawaii. Lord bless this planet and every living thing on it. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you being along. This week's episode is called Chickens and Roosters. Chickens and Roosters is, uh, well... (laughs) is what you see a lot in Hawaii. If you've never been, or if this is your first time here on High in Hawaii, well, welcome. We're high on life, we're high on the mountain, we're high on cannabis, and we're high on Hawaii, man. We love Hawaii. And this podcast is a form of entertainment and escape, while at the same time being informative about cannabis and cannabis products and methods of consumption. If you're new, aloha. Kick back and enjoy whatever strain you have. And I'll give you the stories and the tunes. Chickens and roosters, we'll talk about those. Wise words, we've got some good ones. Pause for the cause songs. Uh, Maybe just one today. Learning as I grow and comic relief. Looking forward to that. www.hiinhi.com. In case you didn't find us through our website, that is our website. That's where you'll find our YouTube channel, our Facebook link, our Instagram link, our support the podcast button, which is basically a tip jar for the DJ. Tip jar for the DJ. Um, Donations, we've gotten them from $1 to $100, and we're grateful for each and every one. So thank you all for your donations. It's simple and easy to use. It's a Venmo link at the top of the page. Click on the link and send uh, whatever you choose. And as I mentioned uh, several episodes back, Apple Podcast is changing what they're doing. We don't know exactly when those changes will take place, but we will always be available for free donations accepted for free on our website so thank you for your support the in button i know it's a linkedin button okay i realize that but i don't have a linkedin account so i use this for my swag store so thank you for support check out the uh, swag store in the linkedin button got some cool stuff there got a new shirt i'll tell you more about it here in just a minute every download helps self-promotion is all we got We're over 1,500 now, so let's keep it going. I'll keep doing me. You keep doing you. Let's keep spreading the word about hi in Hawaii. This episode is brought to you under the influence of Maui Girl. This beautiful flower comes in at 33.9% total THC and cannabinoids from the big store. Tuesdays is Veterans Discount Day. Veterans get 15% off on Tuesdays as opposed to the 5% offered to veterans on a daily basis at Big, Big Island Grown. I always try to shout out to the people that I meet there. Most of the folks that I meet there are the ones working. Shout out to Mike, Danny, Koa, Noah, Abe, Chris, Stephen, Alfred, Brandon, and Justin. Those are all the ones I can remember just off the top of my head. Also, shout out to the crew at the Irie Head Shop right next to the big store in Hilo. Irie is where I go to get my, sometimes my cleaning supplies, my screens, papers. I like those uh, I like those pipe cleaners with the bristles on them. They got other great stuff there, too. Wide variety of great products there at the Irie Smoke Shop. Thank you to Dylan there at the Smoke Shop, Irie Smoke Shop, for letting me leave some free crutches. Go by there, ask them for the free crutches if you want one. Pakalola for the people is a good cause. we got a link for it on our transcript section. Check them out, www.pakalolo for the people. High and Hawaii shirts, as I mentioned, are available. And now a new design. 
Second deliveries went out last week. Everybody's happy so far. I haven't had any complaints. Again, it's the in button on our website. The in button will take you to see what's in the swag store. New Paca tanks. It needs to say Paca with a nice marijuana flower, bud, cola, tees, long sleeves, tanks. They're all there. Wide variety of colors to choose from. Our next contest, our next contest, not that the other contest is over because it's not, but our next contest will be posting pictures with your swag. And if you want to win some weed now, then write a review and a GIF for your chance to win a spliff. Get your friend to write a review and you can win too. All the details are in episode 18 and 19. Episode 18 and 19 give you all the information you need about the High and Hawaii free weed contest. In each week's podcast of High and Hawaii, we'll read a review posted on one of the platforms listed on our website, and that person or persons will be that week's winner or winners. Most of the time, you have to click on the reviews tab to leave a review. They don't have a place on each platform, so it's different. We have a button. Imagine that. On our website... (laughs) It's the Twitty Bird. It doesn't take you to Twitter. It takes you to rate the review. These reviews help the podcast to grow. So I'll grow the stuff to give away while you help us grow this podcast. Our first winner is Chris. A review from Apple Podcast reads, Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing wonderful things here. Keep educating the masses about medicinal benefits of cannabis. Love listening to your stories and the honesty within them. So glad you let me know about this. Thanks for the shout out, my friend. Well, thank you, Chris. I mean that a lot. Your review, uh, it means a lot to me. So Chris is our first winner. Chris has one week to contact me. Let me know that she heard this on the episodes, Chickens and Roosters, to claim her prize. And Thank you, Chris, for your support again for High in Hawaii. Chickens and roosters, that's what we're talking about. After Bandit and I got settled into the cabin for the next few weeks, we're anxiously awaiting the arrival of our pickup, the trailer, and the Harley trike. It was coming in on the Matson ship. Yard work and cleanup kept us busy, but getting those items was what I was anxious about for several reasons. <laughs> Also, getting the items out of the storage unit in Pahoa was on my list of things to do. Several items could be left. I mean, we could have kept going with the storage unit, but why not save the money when I'm here? So we felt the best option was to give it up. I told my friend Chris one day, while we were sitting around, talking story, puffing on some Pacalolo. I said, hey, man, I'm going to get some chickens. He said, I got chickens. I got chickens. I'll catch them for you. I told him I got to build a pen, a chicken coop. I explained that once the ship came in, I was going to take the box off the front of the trailer, make it into a chicken coop on wheels so I could move it around the yard. Also known as a chicken tractor. In case you've never seen such a thing, you could Google it. I was designing my own, but the ship came in as scheduled. And Chris, man, Chris wasted no time catching me some chickens out of the yard. Now, these are jungle fowl. It's the type of bird that is used to being wild, all right? They're not a big fan of coops. They're skittish and flighty, to say the least. 
and they only lay eggs seasonally, about twice a year. Now, they're great meat birds, as I would find out later. And I got that chicken tractor going pretty quickly. And before we knew it, we had over 20 birds. <laughs> we needed a bigger coop is what we needed at that point. Something permanent really was going to be better with some separate pens for a few roosters. I was told after a few weeks of feeding them that you need a few roosters or they won't lay eggs. That's what they said. Quote, you need a few roosters. They won't lay eggs without roosters. End quote. Now, I didn't argue. I just shook my head and said, okay, I'll get some roosters. Now, I know that you don't have to have roosters for chickens to lay eggs. What you have to have are chickens that are genetically bred for egg production. So after researching jungle fowl and educating myself on how they are used in the chicken trade, thousands of these birds are sent all over the world through the mail. Did you know that? You need a bird, I'll send you one. <laughs> I can mail it to you. So I started shopping online on Craigslist for some Big Island, Craigslist, Big Island. Uh, and, and I'm looking for chickens now. I'm looking for chickens I know, like, you know, Rhode Island Reds, uh, Leghorns. Those are chicken, them the kind of chickens I know. And I'm seeing stuff on there I can't even pronounce, like Cochin, Sussex, Silkies, Barnevelders, Naked Necks. I don't even know what a Naked Neck is, man. And I'm seeing all this stuff on on the line, online there on Craigslist, Big Island Craigslist. And like I said, I knew about, you know, bannies or bantam chickens, little chickens, Rhode Island Reds and Leghorns, and a few other breeds. I grew up with a chicken coop. And, of course, I grew bro the broilers for the Houston Livestock Show. That taught me a few things about chickens. But I was learning a lot more and real quick. After a few weeks, I had the barn started. The jungle fowl and the domestic egg-laying chickens, two goats, a few wild pigs. I mean, we, we're starting to get us a little barn activity going. Now, during this time of acquiring these egg-laying chickens through the Craigslist on Big List, Big Island Craigslist, I was given about, I don't know, three or four, maybe five roosters because people just didn't want the roosters for whatever reason. Mix in a few jungle fowl, and now you're ready for a scrape, for real. When all these birds would get together, the jungle fowl, they would start the fight, picking on the other birds. And the other birds, they're just bigger, so they just sit on them. They just stand there on them, peck them in the head. I didn't put them together so they would fight. Okay, I wanted them to live in harmony, you know, make baby chickens. That was my goal. But after a while, it was clear that wasn't going to happen. So once I got the separate cages built, I separated these roosters. I put a couple in this pen and a couple in this pen. And there, there was a couple, two specifically, two cocks, that could not stand each other. And they let each other know about it all day and all night. They tried to outcrow each other all day and all night. I mean, just all mean all night. It was annoying. I had to close all my windows. 
had to turn my fan on high just to drown out the noise. Put some earplugs in my, some of those little foam earplugs in my ear. <laughs> then I found out that this noise was even worse for my nice neighbor lady who lives just a few hundred feet through the forest away from this ruckus that's going on between these roosters. So after hearing about her plight, I removed the two roosters who were causing the most trouble. I found homes for as many roosters as I could over the next few months. And, you know, a few roosters might have hit, just saying, they could have possibly been in the smoker or on the grill or in the stew pot, you know, just saying, they're good meat birds. Um, and as the chickens, as these roosters, the baby roosters, as they would grow up, then they would start to crow and then they would get called out as well. So, and don't get me wrong. It's not just roosters. Chickens can be loud too. I got this one girl, Shorty. She's a coaching bird. She sounds like it's her first time to lay an egg every day, cackling and whatnot. I mean, her and her egg is the smallest one too. But, man, she's going to let you know about it. And she's getting old. She's one of the oldest birds we got. I, I swear I heard her trying to crow like a rooster the other day. I'm going to try to catch that stuff on video. You won't, I'm, I'm telling you, it's funny shit. See that little, that little bitty coaching hen trying to crow like a rooster because she can hear the roosters down the road. It's funny stuff happening in the barnyard there. So, anyway, I'll keep you updated as uh, – all this animal life continues and goes on. Currently, we're down to seven hens, and that's on purpose. Seven hens all laying about about two dozen eggs a week, maybe a little bit more. Two Rhode Island Reds, two Barn Evelders, two Coochin, one red-headed naked neck. I had to get one. Didn't know what it was. They just don't have feathers on their necks, so they're called naked necks. They come in a wide variety of colors. No more jungle fowl for us. They became a problem. Um, <laughs> they're loud and they're, well, they just, they're a problem. So no more jungle fowl. Our goat herd is really just down to three now. We have Trippy. She's three colors, so that's how she got her name, Trippy. Her firstborn is Sugar or Coco, who's expecting her first baby next month. And then Trippy's secondborn is Tiger, who's only a few months old, but he's our new stud, and uh, he's growing fast. So we'll keep you informed on what's happening in the barnyard and all that uh, goes on there. And there's a few other stories <laughs> of how I've uh, upset my neighbor. <laughs> we'll get to <laughs> as we go along. But in next week's episode, Going Legal, I'll talk about those first few months of transition from living in Texas where cannabis is illegal and you can go to jail for that shit or get a fine, which is about $420, ironically, to moving here where cannabis is legal, at least if you have a medicinal card, it's legal. And that wasn't at the time, but it did change shortly after I got here. Not frowned upon as much as in other places. I mean, Pakalolo has been around for a long time. And uh, as long as you keep to yourself, you ain't going to have no problems. 
But uh, don't be out in the park. Don't be at the beach. Don't be downtown. Don't be trying to hang out in the streets smoking because you'll get a ticket. Or you could go to jail if you get out of line. So, But how did life change from going to where it's illegal to now where it is legal? Well, after three years, I do a podcast advocating for the use of cannabis and cannabis products. <laughs> I'm not an activist. I'm an advocate. Big words for stoners sometimes get complicated, man. I produce videos of my experience growing cannabis and try to share all that I learned with you. So these are things that have changed in my life anyway, as far as cannabis is concerned and what it's like to live here in the beautiful place we know as Hawaii. Now, before that episode comes out next week, Look for a bonus episode to hit on Friday. Friday high day. Okay? Going to do something special. Wise words. Wise words. We do this each week. A little motivation for you. If you never heard of this lady, I suggest you look her up. She's got a great story. Talk about pushing the envelope. Wise words. Quote, you only live once. But if you do it right, once is enough. End quote. May West. You only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. May West. Let's get into some pause for the cause so I can kick back with some of this Maui girl for a few minutes. I love this one so much. This, I mean, we're almost six months in. This is going to be the first one we bring back around again, okay? But it's the, one of the good ones, one of the classics, one of the legends in, an, in my world. We featured this one back in the New Year's Eve episode. At least that's what I can recall. It's a Muddy Waters tune redone by my friend Wes Jeans on his album Forest of the Pine available online you can check out the link in the transfer section in the transcript section the chapter markers and of course we have our link at the bottom for that awesome pedal the fuzz face custom built by Wes Jeans Muddy Waters tune redone by Wes Jeans Champagne and Reefer Hi in Hawaii
champagne <clears throat> and reefer. That old Muddy Waters tune redone there by West Jeans on his album, Forest of the Pine. Check it out, man. It's cool. Great album. Great stuff. Learning as I grow. That's our next segment. I'm still token. <laughs> still puffing on that Maui girl. Enjoying that. Indulge me just a few more seconds, if you will. Little greenhouse update. Had some stalled progress on the AK-47 Extreme Grow. I did a final pruning of the fan leaves. And for those that do pruning, you know that causes about a day of stress. The day you do and the day you next. I tried a method that I'd heard about where you blast the roots with nutrients the day that you trim. And then you start flushing with a heavy potassium supplement after two days of letting it sit. And this kind of contradicts normal plant feeding, at least cannabis feeding. You re repeat this flushing with potassium, potassium um, during this period of uh, sort of a short band-aid, I guess. It's supposed to help this plant ba bounce back bigger and better in your buds. It's been about five days, and I'm seeing some signs of getting into final stages of maturity. And the, the colas are starting to fatten up a little bit. Hoping to get visual evidence over the next few weeks of this being beneficial. The last step that was recommended by this master grower was to stop watering for about 9 to 12 days before you expect to harvest. I'm not doing that because the AK-47 Extreme is an auto flower and it requires more water throughout. So we'll try to balance it a little bit. I have tried that before, drying out the plant a little bit before harvest with other strains. And it's only one plant. I've got another one right behind it, about three weeks behind. So I'm going to do it differently. I would not recommend trying extreme theories unless you have the flexibility to do so with only a few plants and not your entire harvest. In just a few minutes, I'm going to give you a, a, basically a comparison of what the general recommendations would be. A question came up about autoflowers, as I was talking in a previous episode. Are autoflowers the same as fa fast-growing Flower strains, fast flowering strains. No, auto flowers don't need a light cycle to trigger flowering. Auto flowers do not need or depend on a light cycle to trigger flowering. So you can grow them from seed to harvest under the same light schedule of 18 on, 6 off, while quick flowering strains are photoperiodic. So you still have to provide 18, 6 for veg. And 1212 for flowering. But they will flower faster than regular photos. How long will it take for my auto to start growing buds? If you've got an auto flowering plant, first of all, it should have told you before you ordered your seeds because it really depends on the genetics and the phenotype. But most of the time, it's four to five weeks before she's ready. And whenever she's ready is when she's going to go. Eight weeks in, 
on this grow at the end of the month. So, started March 1st. Now we're going to be the end of May. So that's eight weeks, basically. That's very short. Normally, you're looking at about six weeks of vegetative state and then eight to ten weeks, maybe 12 weeks of flower, depending on your strain. My question has been how to grow bigger buds. And this is a bit of a contrast to what the previous master grower's recommendation was that I'm trying this theory on this one plant that I'm doing, this blast with nutrients where I put nitrogen in. Yes, nitrogen in the plant in that phase as sort of a Band-Aid when nitrogen is not recommended, at least not as much. This is generally what is recommended for bigger buds. If you're following all the basic protocols for growing, these are a few of the basic tips, if you will, to give you bigger bud sizes. Feed properly during the flowering stage. Cannabis plants are usual. I mean, are are usually more forgiving in the vegetative state. Feeding a lot more nutrients to your plant will only have a minimal impact in the flowering stage when the buds are developing you can really cause some damage actually you can cause it to stop while blooming you have to be careful about the nutrients you're providing because you want to avoid too much nitrogen when the flowers are forming Watering with high levels of nitrogen in vegetative state will cause the nutrient burn that you see sometimes, yellow leaves. And in some cases, they will even die out, the leaves. But that's just cosmetic. It doesn't affect your flowers. During the flowering stage, too much nitrogen can affect your bud development and end up affecting your density. Luckily, nitrogen toxicity is easy to fix. Just lower the dose and your plant will recover. So don't don't ignore the nutrient deficiencies of your plant. Know what the signs are. Flowering cannabis plants need more phosphorus. They need more, more potassium and they need less nitrogen. So when the buds are forming, your bloom nutrients are in the right amount. If you buy a feed that's bloom nutrient, Generally, it's ready. It has a lower nitrogen and a higher of the other two. Now, some cultivars are bigger yielding than others. Sativa-dominant hybrids grow stacked flowers and naturally produce big yields. Indica-dominants are also good candidates because most hybrids end up being heavy feeders and are well-known for producing big fat buds or colas it's really a balancing act when it comes to boosting your plant during flowering adding too much nutrient can cause the plant to burn show deficiencies and it can ruin your yields now the theory of that master grower that gave the advice of that blast and flush is that your plant is using nitrogen all of its life And although it's about to need less, it still needs some, or it's going to start trying to take it from the existing leaves. 
But if you just took off the bottom leaves, then it, the deficiency is going to be in the buds. And you may be missing out on some extra growth. That was her theory. And she's been doing it a long time in California. And sometimes you can't argue with something that works for somebody. So providing that little extra boost, according to her, gives it a chance to pull up those nutrients to help heal from the pruning. And in her opinion, that extra nitrogen provided just enough for the next few weeks. So as you flush with the potassium, then you're going to get rid of the nitrogen and not have to worry about the toxicity. And the plant will focus more on flower growth and trichrome production, the sticky Nikki. Flushing with earth juice hybrix molasses for plants. That's what I'm flushing with. It's a zero zero one plant food potash derived from burnt molasses. As I mentioned, timing is everything. Too soon is okay. Too late could cause undesired results. When in doubt, remember that cannabis plants like a consistent schedule and a strict regimen of nutrients. Don't overdo it. I've been guilty of this several times, trying to push the plant to the limit, trying to get it as much out of it as I can. I'm just trying to learn as I grow. You know, I thought this week would be great for some comic relief. I saw a friend of mine post a uh, happy birthday to George Carlin back on May 12th. Of course, George left us years ago, but it would have been his birthday, May 12th. And it got me to look in to see what all I have. And I have hours and hours and hours of George Carlin. I've got some of the earliest George Carlin stuff, stuff he put on cassette tape. That's on this specials uh, that I've got. But, but anyway, today we're going to do a little comic relief from the late, great George Carlin. New sports. Enjoy. All right. Now, before you get the idea that I'm a strictly negative person, I don't want you to go away thinking that. I, don't, I have some positive suggestions to make for some new sports. Some sports that we don't have. Some sports that, in fact, are missing. Where is college auto racing? You never see that. High school auto racing, they have it, but it's not organized, is it? I'd like to see mud surfing for places like Bakersfield where you don't have a goddamn ocean. Turn the garden hairs on, get in there and fucking mud surf. How about high-speed competition skipping? Might be dangerous, you wouldn't want to do that at night. Here's a nice sport for the idle rich, airplane fishing. You'd have to have a lot of line, but who knows, it might be a whole lot of fun. Here's an exciting sport, indoor hunting. You don't know where the other guy is. He might be behind the couch. You gotta take a piss at two in the morning. Look out, holy shit. Here's a winter sport you might enjoy, the 33-man bobsled. Well, it would give everyone a chance to participate. Here's a kind of a peaceful sport. Here's a peaceful sport. Cross-country chess. Well, you're waiting for the other guy to think up his move? You take a fucking 60-mile hike. Okay, let's stick with the more violent impulses. I think that's more in keeping with the national character. We need some more violent sports. How about team wrestling with knives? Bowling with hand grenades. Tackle golf. While he's lining up his shot, you tackle the motherfucker. 
Full contact archery. <laughs> oh, fuck. How about, here's a violent sport, five-man team boxing with crowbars. Each round, 27 minutes. Why don't we have the choking matches? You never see that. Fuck all these gloves and shit. Get in there and choke some cocksucker to death. That would be fun. Well, all right, maybe the psychologists might say that we should channel some of this violent energy into more pleasant pastimes. How about some sexual sports? We don't have any. You ever think about that? There are no sexual sports. Well, we had broad jumping for a while until the feminists found out what the fuck was going on. But I'd like to see the oral sex relay races, wouldn't you? I'd sure tune in the foreplay playoffs. I think there are some sports that would be just more exciting in the nude. How about nude ski jumping? Whoa! Nude fencing? Look out! Whoa! Even nude baseball might be fun. Although I wouldn't want to see a guy with three balls on him, would you? Man, we sure miss him. What a true legend. His birthday was on May 12th. Uh, I noticed a post online from a friend of mine who, who not only toured with Carlin, but he was a friend. And George Carlin was a mentor to Daryl Felsberg. So welcome to High in Hawaii, my friend, Daryl Felsberg. Daryl, man, thanks for calling in today. Not at all. Thank you. You know, um, you, you, I, I did work with tour. Tour is a strong word. Okay. Um, but but <laughs> I, did, I did work with George, and uh, I did have the uh, the joy of uh, meeting him and getting to know him. And he, he was certainly uh, a treasure. And yeah, very uh, very influential in my career. He he taught me that that uh, all comedy comes from truth. It's just it's turned into comedy after we make it into a lie. But yeah, it's all, <laughs> it, it all comes from something, and 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 it's experience. So if you hear a comic on stage say this is what happened or let me tell you what happened to me you can bet that at least 20% of that story or that situation was real if not all of it yes it's yeah it's uh and so it, it makes a lot of sense when somebody talks about especially George when he talks about you know the the uh likes the different sports in that situation. Those are all thoughts that he had. He sat down and thought, right. what if they did this? Yeah. <laughs> what if they did that? You know, and, and that's uh, some of his best stuff. If you ever get a chance is listen to, it may have been, you know, when I knew George, we're, we're talking about uh, life is worth losing. Um, you're all diseased. This is this is this is going back. Uh-huh. But if you go even further, if you go further back to Carlin on campus um, and uh, the '80s stuff, uh, Carlin at Carnegie Hall. What am I doing in New Jersey? Uh, jamming in in New York. And, and one of the, one of the bits that he does in there is the comparison between uh, baseball and football. And you know, he says. Uh, the football is so aggressive. It's typically it's fought on a gridiron, uh, on a field of battle. Uh, and in baseball, the whole goal is just to go home. You just <laughs> want to go home. Yeah. And he paints that picture. And really what he's doing is he's almost politicizing the two and putting them against one another. And uh, he goes, in football, you have the two-minute warning. In baseball, it's a seven-inning stretch. We're going to sing. And it's such a great comparison between the two. He's just a terrific man. We're very lucky to have had him. Yeah, he was a good one. So uh, I, I'm sure you, you think about uh, some of your old buddies and friends when you're out on the road now. You're, you're back doing a little bit of the, the road grind. How's the road treating you? 
here's what I'll tell you. I, I, I was very fortunate that even during the pandemic, I did have a couple of weeks of work throughout the year that I had to take where the contracts were a little different. Um, There's COVID clauses. There was uh, health limitation clauses. Uh, I had to wear a mask into the building. I had to stay in the green room. There's no greet meet afterwards. Uh, it was really weird, but we, we did a handful of them. And then uh, and now that things are opened up, the, the road's kind of starting to pop back up. But what's exciting about it is the audiences are better than ever. They're hungry. I mean, they, they're hungry yeah. for it. And, uh, it feels so good, Darren, to 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 walk out and and they're they're just they're ready. They're they're just so glad to be around people and to be able to laugh and to and you're and it's your job as a comic to take them away. Yes, to to take them to paradise for an hour and a half and, and let them just laugh and love. And uh, I've I've never had so many. Um, uh, applause breaks and and standing ovations of my life and uh, that's great man i know that's all that's all gonna go away very quickly but in the meantime no. i'm gonna suck them down and enjoy them you're a great comic man i always enjoy your stuff and for those that don't know that just listen to the podcast i've known daryl for uh, about the last 10 years he and i were uh, well sort of cohorts in paris texas he owned a business there i did radio there so we promoted his stuff and he helped promote us and and uh, i know you got the comedy club you're still doing the comedy club right yeah we just opened it back up had our well one of the things that we've become really well known for out in east texas now is the tower city comedy festival it's on its third year and uh, it's a raging success even in the midst of covid uh, we had to push it up this year into march and the crowds are terrific the talent was awesome and then uh, we followed that up nope back up i'm sorry uh, we did that at the end of March. Then the week before that, we had we opened up the doors for the first time in a year, and our headliner was Chris Kattan from Saturday Night Live. We had him <laughs> for two nights. I uh, did four shows. He was uh, terrific. And then uh, we got a show this weekend with Eric Schwartz. And um, what comedy? What, what what COVID's done to comedy is it's it, it forced us to not work. And um, if you looked at benefits for for self-employed people, there's not a whole lot. Right. And the government did what they could to kind of help some of us, but it really, it really, there's not much help. We had to, we had to make ends meet. We had to do different things, and so that's what's happening. But as we're getting on the road, some of your bigger name comics, your big, your uh, your guys that are used to doing stadiums and large theaters, are doing smaller clubs and venues just to get out and to get working again they're hungry so, too yeah. yeah yeah they're hungry and we're finding that uh, we're getting a lot of those names even in in paris like we're, we're like we've been in talks with eddie griffith the last two weeks about coming wow uh we've got yeah Polly shore cool um yeah so the qualities i say quality that's not fair the the namesake has changed so yeah the, the clubs uh it's it's up it's open and uh I'm trying to I'm trying to keep it moving. We'll see we'll see what happens. But you know, Paris came out and showed their support for um, those first two weeks. It was awesome. So hopefully it stays that way. Well, that's great. I always enjoyed the comics you brought into the studio there. I, I'm lucky enough that I saved a lot of those interviews and and I, oh, cool. I, I, yeah, I'm gonna pull some of those out every once in a while and use some some of those bigger ones, of course. Uh, tell, we, you know, we're, we've got downloads of our podcast in over 200 cities in America. So, what are some of your gigs coming up? Maybe they'll overlap. 
Yeah, of course. Uh, let's see. I just got back from Fort Walton Beach this weekend in Florida. That was a, a great, great, great run. Um, on the 19th of June, I'm at the Medical City Lewis Grand Theater in Louisville, Texas. Cool. Uh, that's my da- that's my dad joke show uh, with two of my uh, my best friends in comedy. All three of us are dads, and, and we do this show once a year. It's right before Father's Day, so that should be a good one. Excellent. And then, yeah, then the following week, I'm in um, South Orlando, uh, basically St. Cloud, Florida, at Porky's Comedy Club for a couple nights there. And then um, July, last week of July, I'm in Tucson, Arizona at Laughs. Um, and then I'm in O'Fallon, Missouri, which is St. Louis. The following week or the following month, I've only got about two weeks booked a month right now. The the Looney Bin in Wichita, Kansas, is coming up in October, and uh, but you can always go to DarrellFelsberg.com. I was just and, about to uh, ask. Yeah, you got to have a website for it all. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's it's updated daily, so you can go to DarrellFelsberg.com and, and see what you need to see there. We'll put that on the transfer or on the uh, transcript section and in the chapter markers. We'll have a link for the podcast listeners. You can go there, as you know, to find our artist. Hey, what's this? Maybe I heard. Maybe I heard wrong because I do get stoned. Uh, Conan, you're going to be on Conan. Oh, that was a terrible joke that uh, I loved that it went awry. Um, <laughs> when, I, when, I po- when I made that post, I already read the trades. I already knew that Conan was uh, terminating his show in yeah. June. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I made the post that... I thought, uh, I thought maybe you were just going on for the last night or something. I was like, what? what? Daryl, let's talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, of course, with this podcast high in hawaii i've come out now as a cannabis activist uh, activist uh, not activist i'm not like actively going out and trying to make people use cannabis but just uh i try to tell people the benefits of cannabis and what it can do for you and through our conversations you said it was okay to bring this up so i was curious how cannabis uh, has uh, been uh, introduced into your life now recently well, and that's the irony of it is that uh, growing up, I was around it a great deal. In fact, you know, my my parents were smokers. Um, my father primarily, in fact, he grew it, uh, but they hid it from us as children. So we had we had no idea that that they they did it. And you know, funny story. I, I reflect back. I had to have been eight or so years old. And I was a huge anti-drug advocate, and we were taught to, you know taught to be in, in public school. Right. And uh, my, uh, I was in the backyard playing basketball with a friend, and I noticed uh, there were some plants uh, around an olive tree that uh, weren't there before, and I noticed that they they looked like marijuana leaves. <laughs> and uh, I told my my mom about it. My mom said, "We'll leave them there." We. Your, when your dad comes home, we'll have him look at it. My dad worked on offshore rigs, so he'd be gone for a couple weeks at a time. And he, uh, when he came home, he said, hey, your mom said you found what you thought was possibly marijuana. I said, yes, sir. And he said, show me what it's at. So I took him out in the backyard, and I showed him the plants. And he goes, okay. He said, you know what I think is happening is the people that live behind us are jumping the fence and growing it back here so that they so that they don't get in trouble. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's a plausible situation. That makes sense. So I, uh, he said, leave him there. That way when, uh, when I call the police, I've got him to show him. 
I said, okay. And I left him there. So uh, nobody does anything about him. And, and dad goes back on the rig and he's gone for a couple weeks. And I'm out in the backyard again. A month or so later, I noticed the plants are now stocks and uh, they're about three and a half feet high. And I go, you know what? My family's going to get in a lot of trouble if somebody sees these. So I need to do the right thing. So we pulled them up and put them on the ground, on the concrete, and ground them up and threw them away. And then about, I don't know, four or five days later, at about five o'clock in the morning, my dad came home from the rig. and um, I was about five o'clock. I guess he woke me up, turned the lights on, and spanked the shit out of me because he wanted to know what happened to his pot plants. And... Uh, <laughs> He's talking about a confused eight-year-old. I didn't know. I, I thought they were the neighbors. Yeah, that's not cool, man. So I, was, so I was raised around it. And in South Texas, it's very prominent in our schools and what have you. And, uh -huh. my, aunt, and my Aunt Sue and my cousin Gary and Uncle Gary, they, all, they hung around a, a motorcycle gang. And they always ended up at my Aunt Sue's house. And we would have our birthday parties there with the banditos and just good people. And uh, sure. I, I remember seeing a guy, his name was Mike Sprinkle. He lost his right arm in an accident and had a hook. And he drove his Harley uh, with a hook. He had uh, foot controls on it mm -hmm. and all this other wax stuff. And he would use his little uh, little hook for a, uh, a roach clip. Yeah. And I remember seeing that. And, and just, so I was raised in the environment and, and a very, uh, in an illegal environment. So I never would touch it. So fast forward to, uh, I'm, I guess, my, I lose track of my age, but I'm 46 now, I think, something like that. And I have never touched pot in my life. And during the pandemic, uh, the first six weeks of the shelter in place, I thought we were going to be awesome. So, I mean, I got like apocalyptic where I was hoarding ammunition and uh, I had I started growing a garden. Right. I had chickens because chickens make breakfast. Yeah, they do. Uh, and I was putting I was putting the homestead together in case shit went down. And uh, so I had a freezer full of meat, and one of my hobbies is barbecuing. And so I barbecued every night for about six weeks, and my family was getting tired of it. <laughs> my kids were like, "Dad, no." No more. My heart hurts. <laughs> I mean, they're like, I can't have any more barbecue. So I started getting really creative with my barbecue, and I started making things like pork belly burn ins, and uh, and then I would take those pork belly burn ins and stuff them in a potato that I cored out and wrapped in bacon and threw it on the smoker, and and uh, and, and I gained so much weight during this process that three or four months in, my back was giving me trouble from all the weight I gained. And then uh, I was drinking soft drinks like it was nothing. And um, then um, my knee, I hurt my knee in the late part of the year. So all this pain was, was I was hurting all over and I was having trouble sleeping. I have to go sit in the living room to sleep and just nothing was going right. So a friend of mine owns a CBD shop and said, you need to try cannabis you can try cbd oil uh, so as long as it's legal i'll give it a whirl and i started to, to take it and it started working I, it would relieve some of my pain mm -hmm. and it would also help me to sleep but it's also an appetite enhancer yeah 
And so now I've got the munchies on top of gaining all this weight. And I've gone crazy in my barbecue. I mean, I walked into the, <laughs> into the grocery store and I rarely go into the produce section. But when I did, there was two pineapples just sitting by themselves, lonely. And I looked at the, I looked at them and I said, y'all are fucked. So I grabbed those two pineapples and I brought them home and I cored them out and stuffed them with pork belly burnt ends and wrapped them in bacon and called them a swine apple and put them on the smoker. And then... Um, my pain was still there, and people said, you ought to go into Oklahoma and, and get you medical-grade legal marijuana and, and give it a try. Yeah. No, I didn't have any interest and all that, and, and uh, I thought, no, I'm, I'm fine. So we went, um, I think that the, the pinnacle of my barbecuing and weight gain and pain, all of it coming together, was uh, that, re- that probably required an intervention was when I made bacon wrapped smoked Oreos. <laughs> and my family was like, what are you doing to us? And I was like, not everybody needs a pancreas, man. Just eat it, you know, and it'll be fine. So we, uh, my wife and I decided we would, uh, we, we have a place in Oklahoma at the marina. And we decided to go up there and hang out and work and, I told her, I said, you know what? I said, we're here for a couple of nights. I said, I'm going to go and get some edibles and I'm going to try it. And I said, if it, if it helps me get through the night and I don't have any pains to, to move around, because I'd already gained all this weight and, and my quality of life was beginning to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. I was getting, I was getting lethargic. Um, I was getting lazy where I wouldn't do things. I, I was drinking soft drinks like it was nothing. Right. Like they were just like three or four a day. And then I got so lazy that I wouldn't even get them myself. I'd have my kids get them. And the, the weight just continued to pack on. And I was depressed because I wasn't working. When, it come, when, you, when you're living is made through something that's solely creative, that, can, that it depends on nothing but you and what comes out of your skull, and it's taken away from you after 20 years, it's, it's, a, it's robbing an identity. Mm-hmm. And that and not only could I not really provide for my family like I could before, not only could I not do the things I wanted to do like I could do before, but you took what was me away from it all. I, what was I going to do or be? I don't. I didn't know. I was going to have to take on a job. I was going to find another career, and uh, you know that that was really hard to to even potentially imagine or swallow. Or so I got depressed and I, mm-hmm. and I really got down. And um, I had some I had some bad thoughts at, at the wrong times, and and uh, fortunately I'm, I I've always kept myself surrounded by good people, and that always was very helpful. But so then we were in Oklahoma, and I figured we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll take it for a spin. And I had a friend who had a medical card, and she hooked me up. And um, you know, I I told my wife, I said my anxiety left. I said I don't hurt. Uh, I I feel I feel good. So I. I I did a little research and, and took some time and talked to some people and talked to more friends and people who were actively using it intelligently and, and in a controlled manner. And as long as it's clean and it comes from the earth and uh, it's it's well documented what's in it, it's it's pretty safe and pretty good. 
Yes. And and, and I think that's what, what where the lines are crossed is that because it's been um, criminalized for so long that it's being produced in black market manner that that is unsafe. Because we did lose my sister-in-law to synthetic marijuana. Yeah, she died a couple of years ago of uh, an overdose, and it was terrible to watch her body shut down in a matter of a day. I prefer to call and, it. I prefer to call it potpourri, not synthetic marijuana. But I understand what you're saying. It, it, it was horrible that shit that they were putting on the streets. I don't even know if they're still putting it out there. But uh, but yes, that that is a tragic story, Daryl. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. So it's. Um, I I told myself that I would buy from a medically approved facility. And uh, that I could look at the packaging and see the source and see where it, where it came from. So uh, I, I, I dabbled in it, and, uh, it and it helped. And uh, it was just a matter of, of allocating it when I would want it and, and getting it. So fast forward, I talked to another gentleman in Paris who I hadn't seen for a year. Um, so this coming March, 1st of March, he and I had a meeting. And I hadn't seen him in a year at that time, and he lost about 100 pounds. And I asked him, I said, he's a local businessman, and I said, what are you doing? Well, how'd you lose 100 pounds in a year? And, and it would do, was it medicine? Or what? He goes, nope. He said, I, he said I, I got rid of soft drinks because I'll drink a diet orange soda. I goes, but it's mainly water and weed. I said, I'm sorry? He goes, hmm. And I've been doing that for a year, and I've lost about 100 pounds. He said that uh, he bought a dispensary in Hugo, and uh, that's all it took. Hmm. And I asked, I asked him, was it, is it edibles? Or, he goes, nope, just the flower itself. I'll be. I said, I'll be damned. Yeah. Very interesting. So that's the, the, yeah, that's where, so that's where we sit. Um, I've lost about 20 or 30 pounds uh, just getting off soft drinks, uh, and it's helped in so many ways. But I've, I've got another seven years so I gotta lose and uh, I really don't drink anymore um, and I'm really not even looking for that big high I'm just looking I'm just looking to relax and sleep and, and that's it well, it can definitely do that for you. I can tell you that. There's several strains and uh, several different methods of, of consumption. You know, um, I'm not sure exactly what they have in the stores there in Oklahoma, but I can tell you our stores here, they've got everything from um, nice little uh, candy edibles uh, to little capsule pills that are CBD, THC mixed. Uh, and let me tell you, man, they, they really do the trick. And like you say, everything is tested. Everything is checked. And you know exactly what you're getting uh of course uh, the as you mentioned the the black market or the street market the street vendors that i always refer to they've been doing the best they can to keep up with the uh, market for so long but uh the way it's headed now uh this medical cannabis stuff is is changing changing the way people are are not only looking not only consuming it but the way people are looking at it so i appreciate you coming on daryl and telling us your part uh in and what things are happening in your world and man of course our thoughts and our prayers are with you or as they see here on the island all the aloha that we can send to you and your family we do and uh, we hope that uh cannabis continues to help you to uh, find what you need well, cannabis helps calm that damn dog of yours down. Jesus. That's all I hear in the background is a, is a mountain wolf whelping. Uh, 
You, you might want to give that uh, punch some CBD on his uh, alpha this evening. And yeah. Let him go night night. Yeah, they they have a little special butter that they get in the evening. I, I've made some can of butter out of some of my my own harvest here, and I will tell you that I I highly encourage you to get those laws changed in Texas so you guys can start growing your own. Because man, it, there's nothing like growing your own medicine. It really is uh, a unique perspective. Yeah. Daryl, once again, man, we send our love to you. We thank you for your time. Not at all. Thanks for having me. It was a treat. I look forward to listening to it and to uh, other episodes. Doing what you said you'd do. When you told us you were going to move to Hawaii and build your own house, I thought, this guy's really high. And, um, <laughs> I was. You're doing it. <laughs> I was, but, but, but I, I knew I was determined to do it. So, <laughs> Good for you, man. Good all for right. you. I love every bit of it. Misty Mountain Studio is an open-air studio guarded by some of the finest canines. I wouldn't say Zeus and Apollo stature, but fierce nonetheless. My apologies for the dog noise and also for my error in recording. And Of course, those that listen know this is our first phone interview. I had some phone issues and some operator error, but we learned a little bit along the way, so that was good. Great to talk to Daryl. DarylFilsberg.com. We'll have a link on our transcript section. I need to do it again, I think. We'll have a link on our transcript section for DarylFelsberg.com. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Mental Health Awareness Month in May. I always like to remind you of some mental health issues that I struggle with at the end of each episode in hopes that if at any time you should need the information, it's here for you. Obviously, this can affect anyone, anywhere, at any time. Please remember that your thoughts are just thoughts. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to ask for help. It takes a lot of strength to ask for help. We all feel weak from time to time. It's okay. Everyone goes through stuff. Everyone has hurdles. You know, I talk about the push-up challenge. Veterans do. You may see them doing push-ups online. 22 veterans each day take their own life. That veteran's challenge is to do 22 push-ups to remember those 22 veterans and then turn around and challenge someone each day for 22 days. I never did really challenge anybody. I always left it open. But I do challenge you today. I challenge you to reach out to somebody. You can do some push-ups if you want. (laughs) If you can. I can't do many more. Um, I can't do many anymore because of my back and some foot problems, but I'm working on it. I'm a firm believer that talking can save lives. Reach out and check on somebody today. Let somebody know today that you're okay. Or hell, let them know you're not okay. I was telling somebody the other day, you never know what conversation you're having that could be the one that saves somebody's life. More than likely, you don't even know that person's struggling. More than likely, you'll never know what conversation was the turning point for that person that day. You may never know. But do you need to? Really? Reach out to somebody today and check on them. This is available to all veterans, to their families and their friends. 
365 days a year, 24 hours a day, VA responders are standing by. Even if you were not registered with the VA or the VA healthcare system, it's available. All you have to do is call the number. If you're in immediate danger or immediate need of assistance, call 911. But the Veterans Crisis Line is there for you. It's the same number as the National Suicide Prevention Line. 800-273-TALK. T-A-L-K. 8255. 800-273-TALK. 8255. Veterans Press 1, veteranscrisisline.net. You'll see that on our transcript section at the chapter marker. Also, you can text them at 838-255. 22 veterans take their own life each day. I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want you to be one either. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. It's also Motorcycle Safety Awareness Month. So look twice and save a life, okay? I don't get to ride as often as I like. Because it's raining so much. It's the rainy season. But when I do, I'm always careful because not everybody's looking for motorcycles. I was taught as a young driver to look for motorcycles. If you're looking for motorcycles, you'll see all the other vehicles. If you have any questions, comments, gripes, bitches, or complaints, you can email us at kndmisty.mountain at gmail.com. Misty.mtn at gmail.com. Kndmisty.mtn at gmail.com. There's a link there on the transcript. Thank you for listening. Hi in Hawaii is a weekly podcast, free and easy to use. Please tell a friend or two or 20. A KND production from Misty Mountain Studio, copyright 2021. I really got to say that shit. Special thanks to our complimentary sponsors, West Jeans Fuzz Face and my son's hot oils, man. Chili oils and such. You've got to check them out. Very, very, very tasty. Thank you for listening to Hi in Hawaii. Aloha. Y'all come back now, you hear? Happy night, That boy ain't right. Hope you're ready for the next episode. Hey, smoke weed every day.